Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. This took place in 2019. One night, coming home from a friend's party, it was me, my girlfriend, my brother, his girlfriend, and her friend. We had an extra seat, and she was staying with us. We were making our way home and decided to take a road that would cut our travel time down. Everything was cool until my brother wanted to stop at the gas station to get gas and food since he believed in the classic gas-out cliché. We arrived at the gas station, and he decided to go in and get food while I stayed with the girls. Everything was going normally until a big black 18-wheeler semi-truck pulled into the station. We thought nothing of it. I wasn't paying much attention to him until he got out of the truck and stared at us. When I say staring, he was looking into our souls. Now I was worried, and my brother was still in the store. We couldn't see his face as he had a hoodie on covering his entire face. I was skeptical, and so were the girls. He was doing a lot of suspicious things, like going behind the trailer, peeking his head around, and even walking on the other side of our car and standing there. We locked the doors, and I immediately called my brother, who held the door for him. The two bumped into one another. My brother had food and got into the car. We immediately sped off, heading towards the highway. There was this long stretch of road before getting back on the main highway. We were talking about the truck and how weird he was acting. Some time went by and that same truck had followed us, but he passed us at fast speeds, nearly taking us off the road. We couldn't make anything out because it was a white trailer with no company labels. We were scared now and we put it to full speed. We had lost him since our car was faster. Long story short, we got back to our house and parked our car in the garage. Now that we were settling down, all chilling in the living room, we saw bright lights outside our house, and it was the same truck passing through. It was scary because trucks never pass on our road. We were scared that he had followed us. Turning the lights off, we waited the whole night to see if he'd return, but he never did, and we never saw him again. It was one of the truly creepy experiences we had seen before. Ages ago, when my father was still racing small sailboats, he did a number of races that took multiple days. So he and the crew would have to spend at least one night on the water. One particular race had started under nasty weather conditions that quieted down to light fog in the evening. My dad and the crew were exhausted and looking forward to taking turns getting some well-needed sleep. 
My dad's buddy took the first watch on deck while the rest of them went to bed. It seemed like only minutes had passed when the guy on watch shook my dad awake. You have to see this. You have to tell me I'm not crazy, was all his buddy would say. Now pretty spooked, my dad went up on deck to see what had scared his friend so much. The guy pointed into the dark fog, and suddenly my dad saw a pair of glowing eyes. They turned this way and that, like a creature lazily looking around. Sometimes it would look away, but it would eventually turn back to gaze in their direction. For a moment, Dad thought it must be some bizarre kind of lighted boy, but the movement pattern was completely random, and the eyes were moving up and down, completely at odds with the movement of the waves. And it was getting closer, confused, exhausted, and now pretty damn concerned. My dad woke the rest of the crew and brought everybody up to see this. Thing. Yep, everybody saw it, but nobody could identify it as anything other than eyes. The movement was so eerie and it was approaching pretty fast. As it swam closer, it was clear that whatever it was, it was enormous. Now everyone was starting to freak out. Dad had no idea what to do except to try to move out of its way. But the damn monster kept moving around. The crew finally determined its rough path and altered course to avoid it. It was getting very close now. They could hear the rush of water around its bulk and a strange groaning and hissing. It was getting closer and closer. Blat. Everyone's heart stopped when the horn shattered the night. Suddenly they saw dim navigation lights through the fog and realized the monster was riding a big-ass barge. They watched in silence as the bulk of the barge materialized. As it passed alongside, they realized it was carrying a load of garbage, and there was a little bulldozer driving around, pushing the garbage into tidy piles. The monster's eyes were the headlights moving around, climbing up and down the mounds and circling around the deck. They were pretty relieved, but then Dad realized that they had basically almost run into a giant barge. So nobody got much sleep that night as they kept watch for more monsters in the fog. Back in August 2006, I was 20 years old and working in a deli near my house, while I also attended a community college nearby. I remember it was a warm summer night, and I was working till close, which was 7 p.m., and at the time it was around 6.30 p.m. The only two people left in the deli were my boss and I. I remember I was stocking drinks in the cooler towards the back of the store when I heard the front door open, so naturally I looked, and it was a guy I had never seen before. And working at the same belay for eight plus years, you tend to remember people, and so I figured he might have been from out of town. He had red hair, and it almost looked like an afro, which I thought was strange. He walks back towards me, and he goes into the cooler and grabs a peach snapple, and soon as he walked past me, the smell hit me. So I motioned to my boss and pinched my nose, and he and I had a brief chuckle before I started walking to the front to ring the guy up. I get to the counter, and soon as I looked up at this guy, I felt my stomach drop. His eyes were black, and he had pale skin and this blank stare. It's hard to explain, but I felt as if he was looking through me and not at me. 
I asked him if he needed a bag, and I got no response. He paid for the snapple and walked outside of the deli and then stood at the front of the store. So we closed up the store at 7, and we started cleaning up, and 7.30 comes around, and I look, and this guy is still standing at the front of the store, leaning up against the glass. He was so strange that my boss thought he was staking out the place, waiting for us to leave, but technically he was a paying customer, so we couldn't tell him to leave just for being weird. So we shut the lights off and we're walking out when my boss turns to the guy and says, Hey, uh, I don't mind you hanging out here, but please don't lean on the glass. The guy turns to him and doesn't say a word. He just smashes the Snapple bottle on the ground at my boss's feet. And my boss at the time was a big guy. I'm talking about six foot, 380 pounds and covered in tattoos. So my boss gets in his face and says, what the F is wrong with you, dude? Now you're going to clean that shit up. The guy stares back at him again, not saying a word, and the whole time I'm thinking to myself, this guy is either insane or has the largest testicles on earth. Then after a few seconds, he turns away and gets in his car and drives off. I go back inside and get a broom, and I swept it up, and we call it a night wasn't the first time we had someone high come into the store. The next morning I woke up and put the news on and the first thing I see is that guy's face. Turns out the same night he stopped by our delay, he murdered and dismembered his neighbor right down the street from the deli. The cops caught him pulling up into his parents' driveway the next morning with a woman's severed head in his trunk. To this day I wonder whether or not he committed the murder before or after he came to the delight. I don't remember seeing any blood on him, but then again, I wasn't really looking for any. I live in an odd little place in Appalachia that was supposedly carved out of the mountains by a meteor. There is a 360-degree view of mountains around me at all times. Well, when I was in middle school, I got really into mountain biking. It was the 90s, don't ask. So because I was so young, and since my mom didn't want me to be on some random mountain path that didn't have anyone on it for months, she would only let me go on deep trail with a guy who owned the bike shop and was also a co-worker, as she was a teacher. Well, it had been months since I started doing weekly rides with the guy Joe was his name and a few other guys he had rode with. We went up this place we called Lake Hill as it was the road to the city's water supply, which was a lake-sized natural spring. We'd been riding for hours. I mean, like daybreak to probably an hour before dark. We just got to the point where we were going to turn around when we crest this hill and bam, there stands a dude. Wearing camo gear, a yellow raincoat in the middle of summer, standing about 15 feet away from a four-wheeler with a shotgun in his hand. Joe, who was the most athletic of us, was in front. I think I'd gotten behind him and there were two other guys behind me. When you're pedaling a mountain bike up a steepish hill, you're not looking forward. You're looking down, or at least at the ground. You're studying where your wheel is going so you don't run over anything that might ruin your momentum. So when I ran into the back of Joe, I was kind of pissed. I looked up sharply and saw Joe positioning himself between me and the dude. The man said nothing. Not one single word. 
Not a word of comfort or compassion for the fact we just ran up on him with a shotgun. This is the South. People are hospitable. You don't see two strangers in a deserted place not say hello to one another. I swear it might be the fact I've played this event over in my head dozens of times and want to read in it what I think was happening, or this is really what happened. Guy, these mother have just found me harvesting my pot. What if they tell the cops? Can I afford to take that chance? I don't know. There are a few of them. Shit, that one's a kid, because I could see an edge of tension bleed out of his face when he looked at me. I swear it was him deciding to kill Joe, then deciding not to kill me. Joe, to his credit, positioned himself between the man and me the whole time. Eventually, the dude hopped on his four-wheeler, covered in plants, and rode away. I never will forget that taste of exhaustion and adrenaline as we came off that hill. Luckily, in mountain bike, riding the ups are the hard part. We were doing the fastest speed I still have ever done on a bike while in the mountains. I'm actually feeling cold and nervous talking about this. I live in Marcus Hook, Pennsylvania, in Delaware County. I went to college in Philadelphia. My parents moved to Florida a few months ago, but they kept their house here. So I'm living in it right now. The property is along the bank of the Delaware River. The river is 20 or so yards from the back door of the house. I'd found a new job, and I stayed up later and later. I was bored and with nobody else to hang out with. Most nights I would wind up outside in a lawn chair, fishing in the river until 3 in the morning. It was on a night like this when the first incident happened. I wasn't paying too much attention around me. I was watching something on my phone and my rod started bouncing around like crazy. I jumped up to set the hook, jerking it back. The line went slack for a second and then jerked away. I figured I had a fish on, but when I tried to reel again, it wouldn't budge. I thought maybe I was snagged, but then the line snapped away again. I'm not an expert fisherman, but the way the line moved was odd. Not like a typical fish bite, but like something in the water was purposely pulling back on the line each time I did. It was almost like it was intelligent. I was a bit freaked out, and I ended up just cutting the line and heading back inside. I told myself it was caught on a snag or something, but I suspected otherwise. A week later, I had fallen asleep in my chair, and I woke up startled after hearing a large splash in the water, just a few yards out. The light from my back porch barely hit the edge of the water, and I could see a series of rings spreading out from where something had entered the water. A new set of rings then appeared. A few feet away, and then again and again until they were out of sight. I was a bit baffled since catfish or bottom feeders seldom come to the surface of the water and they rarely jump. I grabbed my gear and headed inside, but in my groggy state I left my cutting board knife and a fresh bag of bait, I used pepperoni for catfish, sitting on the ground outside. The next day I realized what I had done and I went outside to retrieve it. Everything was gone. In the patch of dirt near where I had left the stuff, I could see faint prints. Some kind of thin-footed animal with only two long, slender toes had been walking through the area. I also found silvery fish scales that were spread sporadically around, and both prints and the scales led straight back to the water's edge. 
I must admit that at this point I was a little bugged out. I didn't know what to make of the evidence, but I figured that any kind of call to the police was going to get me laughed at. I tried to find information on the prints online, but with no luck. I decided that I would give fitting a rest for a while. I needed to get better sleep anyway. I was starting to get tired halfway through the day at work. Two weeks went by and I hadn't been back outside to fish. I had started dating a new girl. Between her and work, I pretty much forgot all about the tracks. But then the most bizarre incident occurred. I was fast asleep in the room upstairs when I was shaken awake by my girlfriend. She told me that my dog was downstairs barking like crazy. I'm a heavy sleeper and probably wouldn't have noticed, but sure enough, he was downstairs going nuts. Before I reached the stairs, the barking abruptly stopped, but then it turned into a low growl. I felt a twinge of panic. My girlfriend was behind me on the stairs and we crept down quietly. I could see the dog standing at the back door in a rigid posture growling at something outside. I walked quietly over to him and tried to calm him down. I was stroking his head when I heard my girlfriend let out a gasp. She was looking through the small window of the back door. I stood up to look for myself. Unmistakably, there were two bipedal creatures, no more than three feet tall, walking around my backyard. It was dark and the lights were off, but I could make out a pallid silver color to them. They had no eyes that I could see, but something like a fin was running along the spine of each creature. We stood frozen for a few moments watching these two creatures. At one point, they ambled over to each other. I swear that they were making hand gestures toward the house. My girlfriend saw this too and whispered that she was going to call the cops. She ran upstairs to grab her phone while I stayed and watched for a few more minutes. My dog started barking again and this time both creatures just walked away towards the river and disappeared under the water. The police arrived about 20 minutes later and looked around. They didn't see any sign of the creatures but said that they had found some wet prints outside. They were the exact same ones that I had seen on the ground a few weeks ago. Since no crime was committed, they didn't seem too interested, but the officers took my report and told me to call again if anything else happened. So this was a month ago. I've looked online for any kind of information on these creatures, but I can't find anything. I haven't gotten a good night's sleep since, and my girlfriend has refused to come back to the house. Do you have any idea what these creatures may have been? The crisp morning air embraced me as I tightened the straps on my backpack, preparing for our daring patrol into the uncharted territory of Yellowstone National Park. I was part of a team of park rangers who was tasked with exploring the untouched depths of the wilderness, mapping new trails, and ensuring the safety of both visitors and wildlife. With a mixture of excitement and caution, we set off into the dense forest the towering trees forming a majestic canopy above us. Each step echoed through the serene silence, our boots crushing twigs and leaves beneath them. The beauty of nature surrounded us, but so did the untamed mysteries that lay hidden within. As we ventured deeper into the wilderness, our senses sharpened, our eyes scanning the surroundings for any signs of disturbance. Suddenly, a faint cry broke through the stillness of the forest. 
We exchanged glances, our instincts alerting us to something amiss. Following the anguished sound, we stumbled upon an injured camper, his face etched with pain and fear. Blood stained his clothes, and his trembling hands clutched a makeshift bandage over a deep gash on his arm. We rushed to his side, offering assistance and asking what had befallen him. His voice quivered as he recounted his terrifying encounter. He described a creature massive and hairy, with eyes that seemed to penetrate his very soul. It resembled a Bigfoot, a creature often dismissed as folklore. Skepticism flickered in our eyes, but an empathy compelled us to listen further. The injured camper revealed how the creature attacked him without warning, its strength overwhelming. He fought back with all his might, desperately struggling to free himself from its grip. In a stroke of desperation, he managed to strike a blow that sent the beast sprawling. Believing it to be dead, he escaped. But the trauma had clouded his memory of the exact location. Our gazes shifted between disbelief and concern. Could it be possible? Were we standing face to face with evidence of a creature? We assessed the situation, weighing our duty to the injured camper against the unknown dangers that lurked in the depths of the park. Realizing that his life hung in the balance, we made a collective decision to prioritize his well-being. Carefully, we helped him to his feet, supporting his wounded arm. Navigating through the wilderness, our group communicated with the local hospital, arranging for an immediate transfer of the injured camper. The journey was arduous. We formed a protective shield around him, ensuring his safety as we traversed the untamed terrain. Finally reaching the edge of the wilderness, we handed him over to the waiting medical professionals. Exhausted yet satisfied that we had fulfilled our duty, we watched as he was whisked away to receive the urgent care he needed. Though skeptical of his encounter, we couldn't shake off the nagging curiosity that lingered within us. I live in the Pacific Northwest, and I've been an outdoorsy type ever since I was a child. Always been a fan of foraging for food and hiking, but I had an experience a few years ago that changed that. I was up in some deep forest just foraging like usual and out of nowhere. I had this chill run up my spine and felt an intense primal fear. I immediately became scared because I've never had this kind of intense fear grip me. I thought it was a black bear nearby or a cougar stalking me, so I pulled out my handgun and started to creep around looking for a safe place. I found this little clearing and crouched down so I could listen to the forest. I didn't hear anything except the usual little rustle and wind, so I thought it was okay. I get up to leave and I see this enormous hulking thing watching me about 50 yards away. Maybe 20 yards inside the forest on the other side of the clearing. Not even hiding, just standing there like a tree. I actually thought it was a tree at first because it was probably eight feet tall and three feet wide. Must have been 800 or 1,000 pounds. As soon as I saw its eyes, I was paralyzed with fear. Probably would have shit myself if I had any in my system. And it was super quiet, too. I never heard it even when it started to walk off. I just felt its presence nearby. Not a this-thing-wants-to-kill-me presence, just a this-thing-could-kill-me-if-it-wanted-to, an easily kind of fear. 
I just stand there looking at it, it looking back at me. After about 30 seconds, it felt like an hour. I started to back away slowly, keeping close to the ground in a kind of I-don't-mean-any-harm way. Soon as I started to move, it just walked off. I think it had a fair bit of intelligence, and once it saw, I didn't want to do it any harm. It just left. It might have also just been curious. So yeah, saw Bigfoot once, and it scared the living hell out of me. And let me tell you, a handgun wouldn't have done shit to this thing except piss it off. Even a shotgun might not have stopped it. Heard one while camping in the deep forest a few years later, too. It had this weird scream, like an angry man, animal, too deep to be a human butt. And definitely not an animal, it was like some animal-human thing, wailed like an angry banshee. And I've been out in the forest for enough years to be able to identify all the animal calls, so I know this wasn't anything animal. If I go hiking or camping these days, it's right on the edge of the forest, in an area that plenty of people go around. F going exploring in the deep forest. By the way, I've been in the deep forest probably over 1,000, 1,500 times and only ran into this creature once and only heard it once, so it's exceptionally rare. So I was just about 20, four years old, when my cousin Charlie had gotten throat cancer. He wasn't really my cousin, he was my dad's cousin, but for whatever reason, I always called him Cousin Charlie. Anyways, he and his wife lived up around San Luis Obispo, and when he was finally recovering from cancer, he went to stay in his estate in mainland Hawaii. At one point, he needed someone to babysit his house in San Luis, and I volunteered. Fast forward, I'm staying at his place by myself. We're talking satellite internet and television slower than a snail. I had found myself enthralled in a Lord of the Rings marathon and proceeded to stay up till around 2.30 a.m. Changing the channel meant whatever channel I was clicking meant it would choose four stations down from my selection, so I was hesitant to change the channel. The marathon ends and I proceed to make some green tea. That's when I hear it. A distant scream calls across the valley below. I knew it was a human scream, but for some reason I just refused to believe it. The thing about houses inland from San Luis is that you have a lot of room between your neighbors. We're talking about two miles apart from each other. If someone played music on the other side of the hill, you had no problem hearing it. I thought maybe they screamed because they were watching a scary film, or perhaps they were playing a board game. I really don't know, I just did my best to imagine it was me over-exaggerating. About two minutes had gone by, and I passed it off at this time, getting lost in infomercials. That's when I heard something familiar to a firecracker, but then I heard it multiple times. Something didn't seem right, so I grabbed the nearest blunt object and headed upstairs. My cousin Charlie has a 360-degree second deck, which I proceeded to go and take watch on with a fire poker. Like that would do me any good. I listened, but I could only hear the wind. I would later end up falling asleep in one of the rocking chairs, and then waking up about 40 minutes later. What I later found out from my cousin Charlie is that a man had got into a big argument with his wife and shot her as she ran from the house. 
I also later found out that because I was the only one who had left the outside lights on that she had run towards me, but died from her wounds about 60% of the way here. This still gives me chills. I live near Greensboro, North Carolina. The date that the incidents began was 2022. Two weeks after moving to this address, I witnessed trees in the park behind my home, moving as though there was a huge heavy being moving from one tree to the other, but I could not see any visible being, though I know that this movement was not caused by the wind. Since then, I have seen a variety of strange, unreal things that I would never have imagined ever seeing in real life, except on sci-fi films. I have tried to take photographs of these anomalies, but nothing is ever captured. I've used a digital camera and an old Polaroid, but to no avail. There is something outside in my trees, and it is not squirrels. I can feel them watching me and have seen their neon green eyes staring back at me from inside of the thick tree cover, where they try to hide and blend in with the leaves on the top of the trees. Something is definitely wrong here and it really has me frightened. I know something has come into my home and assaulted me with scratches on my back and left of blood. Red scab at the base of my skull. It was as though it was punctured with a sharp object such as a needle. I'm convinced that the government and other officials in this community know about the activity. I collected some hair evidence that I know is not human. The hair is too thin and wispy, and the color is greenish in hue. I don't know what to do. Someone suggested I reach out to you so I won't lose my sanity. I never, in my wildest dream, would have ever imagined these things to actually be real. It's difficult for me to accept the reality of it. Please contact me so I won't feel so alone in this madness. Thank you. Where my mom's house is, there is a river that runs behind it with nothing but forests surrounding it. Some truly creepy shit has happened to us and some friends more than once down there at the river. First story, me, my boyfriend, and a couple of friends were camping out on the river sandbar. I had my dog with me, her name is Anna. We were having a bonfire and setting up the tents before everyone showed up. Then Tim, my boyfriend Robert, his friend, went into the woods to look for more firewood so I could watch the fire and keep it going until they came back. This left me and Anna by the fire by ourselves. Anna is very protective and I felt safe with her. After they went into the woods, I immediately felt someone or something staring at me from across the river. This river was not very wide, but there was very thick forest on the other side that abruptly stopped right at the river's edge. Anna senses it too, and got up from where she was laying at by the fire, walked down to the river enough that all four of her paws were in the water. All the hairs on her back standing straight up, and she's staring and pointing with one Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com 
or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Pa, up at the Ray's Edge across the river. I follow her and stand directly behind her and also stare across the river. I suddenly hear whatever it is move. So does Anna. And it's not just regular human footsteps I'm hearing. It's moving trees. It sounded as if it was moving trees and branches out of the way to walk. Anna is following it moving where it moves, but staying on our side of the river and she's deeply growling. It's like time's frozen. I couldn't move. I couldn't speak. I couldn't see it because the fire was way up on the river bank and Anna and I were on the river's ledge with our feet in the water. Both of us are just staring into the woods across the river. Anna finally stopped moving and now is closer and her legs are in the water now and she's steadily growling. I'm behind her with my feet up to mid-shin in the water. I finally snap out of it and run back up by the fire and call for Tim and Robert. Anna stayed where she was, still growling. They hear me and come back with firewood. Tim says, what's wrong? I said, you didn't hear that, Robert said. Hear what? I said. There's something across the river and it doesn't sound human. Anna won't stop growling at it. So the two guys walk to the river's edge and Robert grabs the pellet gun he brought with him. Tim walks up to Anna and says, What is it, girl? What do you see? And she's not breaking her stare, just constantly growling. All of a sudden, Robert and Tim hear it shift, as do I, and Anna shifts with it to the left. Well, when it shifts, Robert aims the pellet gun where he heard the shift and fires a pellet into the woods. No sooner than we heard the pellet hit something, we all heard a low, guttural, deep growl for like a second. Once Anna heard the growl, she backed up and got close to Tim and whines a little bit. Then nothing. It's as if it just disappeared. I said, screw that, and walked my ass back up to my mom's house. And we canceled the camping for the night. Second story, we are halfway down the trail that leads to this river, with Robert and a few other friends. My mom's didn't like a lot of people over at her house. We are just hanging out, talking and bullshitting around, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it sounded as if a horse neighed, but more like a laugh. And everyone in our small group heard it, so we noped out of there and go back to my mom's, and are in my mom's yard, and we all hear it again, clear as day, a horse, neighing, laugh, at the very beginning of the trail. The beginning of the trail is adjacent to my mom's yard. It gave us all chills, and we couldn't logically explain it. No one in the neighborhood owns horses, nor has there ever been any in that neighborhood. Third story. Again, we, Tim and our friends, were in the trail of the river. This time, we were walking down to the river. It was midsummer, and a lot of people were down there. We were looking forward to swimming and having a fun time. We get halfway down the trail, and we all see a solid black wolf sitting in the middle of the trail near the end of it, facing us. I remember it clearly. It has yellow eyes and gray around its snout, like it was older. This was at 12 p.m., 12.30 p.m. on a bright, sunny day, and people were in the water. You could hear them laughing and splashing. We all stop in our tracks and stare at it. 
about five people just staring in silence at this black wolf, scared to move or make any noise. It stares at us back, and I shit you not, it grinned at us. Not a typical dog grin where they pant and have their mouth open. No, this was more like a sinister, mischievous grin with sharp teeth and bright yellow eyes. It made my stomach turn. We were about 50 feet from it, and after about five minutes it stopped grinning, and it simply got up on its hind legs and walked away as if it was a human. We all just looked at each other, asking if we all saw it, and everyone saw the exact same thing. I believe we came across a skinwalker that day. I didn't tell my friends that's what it was. But I knew that's what it was. We said screw swimming that day and left. That was the last time we ever went to that river again. I've never been one to dwell on the supernatural or the unexplainable, but there are moments in life when reality blurs with the inexplicable and you're left questioning the very fabric of existence. What I'm about to recount is one of those moments a chapter from my time as a special forces soldier working alongside the CIA deep within the heart of Mexico. Our mission was anything but routine. We were tasked with infiltrating a top-secret government facility known as Project Spectre. It was supposedly a biolab, but the secrecy surrounding it was suffocating. Our journey through the shadows of this underground complex would forever etch horrors into my memory. As we navigated the labyrinthine passages of the facility, the oppressive air seemed to weigh us down. Our team had dealt with cartel members earlier on our way in, but nothing could have prepared us for what awaited us deep within the bowels of Project Spectre. The complex was a maze of sterile white walls and cold metallic surfaces. We passed by strange surgical apparatus, each more horrifying than the last. Our senses were on high alert, every creak of a door and distant eerie hum amplifying our unease. Then on one occasion, as we ventured further into the facility, we encountered something that defied all reason. It appeared suddenly like a specter emerging from the shadows, and the sight of it sent chills down my spine. The creature had a pale, human-like hand with large claws and skin that glistened like glass, as though it were covered in a clear, viscous liquid. Its face was a grotesque mask of milky white skin, with eyes that were an unnatural shade of blue, veins pulsating beneath them. Its long serpentine tongue darted in and out of its gaping maw, the only thing in motion other than the trees swaying outside in the wind. But what truly terrified us were its antlers, dark as mold, rising like twisted branches from its massive deer-like humanoid frame. It must have stood at least seven to eight feet tall, a nightmarish fusion of man and beast. The creature's appearance was beyond comprehension. And before we could react, it lunged at us with a feral roar that sent shivers down our spines. We opened fire, our bullets finding their mark, or so we thought. The creature seemed unfazed, its glassy skin deflecting our shots, and it tackled us with a force that was otherworldly. We fought with every ounce of strength and determination, 
but the creature was relentless. Its antlers scraped against the walls, and its grip was unyielding. It seemed to have no purpose other than to sow chaos and terror. In the end, the creature vanished as quickly as it had appeared, leaving us battered and bewildered. We searched every corner of the facility, but there was no trace of the enigmatic being. It was as though it had slipped back into the shadows from whence it came. As I recount this harrowing tale, I know that there will be skeptics who doubt the veracity of my story, but I assure you it is a true account of the horrors I witnessed in the depths of Project Spectre. The scars, both physical and mental, serve as a chilling reminder that there are forces in this world that defy explanation and reason. Some secrets are better left hidden, and some horrors are better left unspoken. My cousin did a lot of forest surveying in some pretty remote areas in British Columbia, Canada. He and a colleague were driving down an old logging road when a whip van passed them, going the opposite direction. He said it was odd to see someone way out there, but not unheard of, as hunters do use these roads. They went a few more miles down the road, got out and started doing some work, and ended up finding a dead body with no head or hands. Freshly dumped as it wasn't decayed, they had to go back the same direction as the van. Luckily, they never crossed paths. They reported it to the RCMP and was told it was most likely biker gang-related hit. I live a lot of my life in seclusion, though I spend a lot of time in the city as well. I tend to take the creepiest things with me to my home, and I've amassed a great collection of skulls and bones, and various other items of morbidity a few things I've experienced that might be of interest. Deep in the woods, I find a hole dug about three feet down. Around it, someone had constructed a rudimentary tip-eye out of shipping pallets, reinforced with greased rope and branches. A tarp was tangled over it, blown up by the wind. I peered in and found it recently lived in. Freshly stirred dirt at the bottom. I lit the floor of the place with a flashlight and found a collection of undergarments belonging to young girls, all bright colors and cartoon characters, buried beneath a scree of dirt, rocks, and leaves. A duffel bag of loot was tucked in the back, mostly vitamin packets and detritus. Empty liquor bottles. A man's bottoming out point, miles from civilization. The other place was near the grain silos, repurposed by the Salvation Army as an apartment complex for vagrants and mental patients. There was an old oil company, long abandoned and hollowed out, just over a set of train tracks and through a thicket of shrub grass. It was midnight or later, and I was alone. Being closer to civilization, I did not want to attract attention. I made my way in the dark, starlight and moonlight offered me a little guidance, though I was mostly beneath an overpass. I heard a rustling in the distance. I was too far in. City for this to be a deer, and it sounded bigger than a turkey, which can be found basically anywhere. I had my knife out, and I stepped closer to the origin of the sound. I heard a groaning, a muttering, gurgling sound, a growling. It was growing louder, and I was starting to make out syllables, not speech per se, not words, but differentiated syllables. 
Just as the growling reached its zenith, I looked up and saw a man on a bike pedaling down the sidewalk on the overpass above me. He had headphones on, and he was listening to death metal and growling along with the vocals. I was overcome with relief, but also awash with dread, because now I know why people don't talk to me when I'm on campus, because I do that exact same thing. I've also found some really strange signs out in the middle of nowhere. From memory, I can say that my two favorites are Uncle Bart willing you up and outside an old slaughterhouse in block-printed scrawl. Cattle operation trailer closed. Please do not dump. You will be seen. I'm sure I can think of more if anyone is interested. I'm a weird dude. I've lived in Lake Charles, born and raised, but in 2004 I moved to Alaska to be a youth pastor for a church. I was living in Seward and was invited to come and speak at a church in Fairbanks, about a nine-hour drive. I'm from the south, not used to. I got there in January. This was in February. I took out on this trip by myself and had been given tips. This is where you want to stop. This is where you don't want to stop. Gas is real expensive here, things like that. So I got out just north of Anchorage. North of Wasilla, up in that part of the country, there are people who have said that you stop and pick up hitchhikers. It's just kind of a thing. You don't really do it in Louisiana. Here it's life and death. If you see somebody on the road, you stop. So I saw a man walking north on the road, and I pulled over. He got in the truck, and I remember just remember distinctly. He had a bit of a body odor smell. He smelled like a campfire. He was unshaven. His name, he told me, was Alex. He spoke with a Russian accent, and he said he was a mountain climber, and he said his favorite place on earth was the top of Mount Everest, and that he was in Alaska to climb Mount McKinley. So he was on his way to Denali Park. He rode with me in the car for about two and a half hours, asking me about why I was there about my calling and feel on my life, those types of things with me. He gave me tips about driving on the ice, told me not to do things that would have caused error. We came to a town called Trapper Creek. I don't know if you are familiar with it. I was not going to get gas there. It was one of the places I was told not to get gas there because the prices will kill you there, he said. You'll want to stop here because the weather is too bad. Denali is going to be closed, and so I said, okay. He had been in the car for two and a half hours. We talked extensively about Everest and his plan to see the top of Mount McKinley. Well, we stopped. I got out, started fueling the car. He grabbed his small backpack that he had and walked into. I saw him walk into the gas station. The little junction station had a little cafe in it. He walked through the doors. When I finished filling up, I went in to use the restroom, pay and grab a bite. I asked the clerk, I said, where's the man that just walked in? And she looked at me and said, you're the only one that has been here for hours. I said, no, a man just walked through these doors. We spent 20 minutes walking around the back of the building. We followed the tracks, the two sets of tracks back to the truck. He was nowhere to be found. There was icy wetness where he had been sitting in the truck. The truck still smelled like him, so at that point, I've chalked it up to. Was it a ghost or was it an angel? I don't know what. I wouldn't have had enough gas. 
and when I got to Denali, that gas station was indeed closed. Well, I've spent many years on the ocean, sailed from SF, CIA, to Sydney, Australia, on a 30-feet sailboat. I've seen plenty of amazing and intense things, like storms, lightning hitting the water, supermassive pods of dolphins, giant whales surfacing next to and following the boat in the middle of the night, etc. But by far the strangest, most perplexing thing I've seen is what I call the chessboard. Calm seas, middle of the night. I'm on watch, looking out on the water, and I start to notice some flashing happening around the boat. Now the water was very bioluminescent, and I was used to certain amount of organic-type shapes, trails, etc., which can be spooky enough when a huge fish or mammal swims towards your tiny boat and swims under at the last second, then turns around and does it again. But this was totally different, different color of light, much whiter and brighter, and the shapes were very square, geometrical, seemed to be very near the surface. Anyhow, started off with three or four squares, each square was, I'd say, twelve by twelve, then more and more appeared, forming into a chessboard-type pattern. The chessboard stretched out as far as I could see in the night. They'd all come on for a while, then alternate lit squares, change into random patterns like they were communicating. This went on for ten minutes, then everything went dark at the same time. I would so love to know what that was. In 1999, I was working at a state park in Pennsylvania and got to know the back areas of it pretty well, the areas most tourists do not get to see. Approximately one mile from the park on a long all-dirt road was a large clearing in the woods, which was cleared for power lines and gas well used. Once you got to that spot, you would have to walk over a long hill until you came to an old abandoned trail. If you followed this trail, it would take you deep into the forest. Once day, I followed it and found that it led to an old dilapidated cabin, not on the park cabin records, and it looked like it hadn't been used for many decades. Even though it was daylight, I still got this creepy feeling like I shouldn't be there, and worse, that something was watching every move I made. A few weeks later, while I was off, duty, two of my friends and myself were just out driving around enjoying the summer night, and since I knew all the back roads, I was taking them on kind of a tour. Note, none of these roads are off limits or secret, so I wasn't breaking any rules. Other than that mysterious cabin, the park hasn't any secrets. About 11 p.m., I came to that familiar clearing, and I mentioned something about the old cabin. Being a brave soul, I talked them into letting me show them the cabin, so I grabbed my flashlight and we took off down the hill and onto the path that led to the cabin. I took the lead and we walked halfway when all of a sudden my light flashed on something on the right side of the path. Almost immediately I stopped and said, Did you just see that? To which they responded, See what? As I panned the light back to the right side of the road, I said, That? There standing by a tree was a creature only seen in sci-fi movies. It had a grayish olive color skin and very thin in its extremities. 
The calves and forearm muscles were very large as well was the chest. The face was the strangest thing since it had the typical alien gray head shape, but there was no mouth. It had a nose that was long and thin, but not longer than its chin. The eyes had a reddish gleam in the light, but not the size of most reported aliens. Very small, even by human standard. I hate to make this reference for fear of questioning my sanity, but my best description was like what the goons looked like in the Popeye cartoon. Yet leaning oddly against the tree, like if you were leaning on an armchair by only one arm, to make another TV show reference, but like the Fonz would lean on the jukebox on happy days, minus the legs being crossed. Immediately everyone wanted to leave, but as we turned my flashlight went out. My friends told me to quit messing with them and turn the light back onto which I informed them that I wasn't messing with them, and to keep moving now that I was at the back of the group. I frantically continued to beat on my flashlight trying to get it to work again. As soon as it came back on, I immediately swiveled back around to shine it behind us. The creature had moved up significantly and now was on the left side. We hurried to the clearing and once we got back up the hill and to the main dirt road, things got worse. Out of woods we had just come through was this high-pitched blood-curdling screeching noise which after it started, others started to answer back from the other side of the clearing. The fact that I was a park ranger had been in the woods all my life and had my degree from Penn State in wildlife. Management means I've heard a lot of noises in the wild, but have never heard that sound before. I know it wasn't any kind of owl or bobcat, bear, bird, porcupine. You get the drift. Once I told my dad about the encounter, he told me it could have been the chupacabras which I had never heard of before, and as far as aliens go, never believed in it until recently. Months went by without incident. Other than not being able to shake, that I'm watching you feeling. I was to the point of feeling like I was being stalked. One night I went to get something from my truck when I looked into the woods and saw those reddish glowing eyes staring at me in the shadows. I immediately ran into the house and grabbed my biggest knife. I... I'm not a gun guy, to which my dad asked me what I was doing. I told him I was tired of feeling stalked and was going to face this thing. He told me he was coming with me, but all along I knew he never truly believed me or my encounter. When we got outside, he nonchalantly asked, Okay, where did you see this thing? And I pointed to the spot to which he directed his flashlight. Much to his disbelief, there it was, and as soon as the light hit, it tore off deep into the woods. My dad, an ex-Marine who served proudly during Vietnam, yelled at me to get back into the house with fear. Fear in his voice. To this day, it still creeps me out, telling this encounter in my handshake, even while typing while recalling it all. I am now in my thirties with a wife and kids, but even now, when I go outside at night, I still feel watched to the point that when I get a real strong feeling, my wife won't let me leave the house without her, just as a side note. For the first five years of our relationship, she too would catch sight of this creature, but mostly as it was going into the shadows. As a further note, if anyone is questioning it, there were no drugs or alcohol or any other substance involved during this or any other encounter I have had.
Former submarine Sonomarn here. No windows, so it falls outside the creepy things I've seen requisite. More of a creepy thing we heard. I was stationed on the west coast. Whenever we would transit near a particular Californian city, within a specific area, we would hear over the headphones the something that started off sounding like a woman screaming and ended sounding like bullfrogs on a hot summer night. None of the sonar techs up through our chief knew what to make of it. We chalked it up to just being a merfrog and carried on. It was around 4 a.m. and I had finished a movie on the couch with my husband, but he fell asleep. Once it ended, I went to the door to have a cigarette before bed. We lived in a basement apartment and our door was ground level at the rear of the house facing south with a small backyard, about 15, 20 feet deep with three large trees lining the edge, backing onto bush and swamp. When I opened our big door and looked out the screen door, which had glass at the top and a screen at the bottom. I typically open the screen door a bit and set the bar to hold it and stick half of my body outside to have a cigarette. As soon as I set the bar and looked up, I immediately noticed three large glowing lights hovering at the very top of those three trees. Two white ones were in the two left trees and one red, one in the tree on the right. I was taken off guard a bit and figured it was a reflection from the stove or microwave, so I concluded that if I moved or blocked the light, the light would go away. I ran into my bedroom, which had a huge picture window right next to the door I was poking out of. If it was truly a reflection, I'd see nothing in a dark room. So I peeked out of the blinds, and there they were. I was blown away, so I ran back out into the living room and looked again. For some reason, I cannot understand why I didn't wake my husband to show him. It was like I was in a state of shock, or like everything around me froze, and I forgot about him. This time, when I looked out the door, it was still open a little bit. I stuck my head out, and all of a sudden, I had this overwhelming feeling of being exposed, and just as I jumped to shut the door, in fear I could make out multiple beings walking around in the backyard, with two of them coming, towards me at the door. But the way they moved was strange, like in one place, one second, then another the next. I freaked and slammed both doors shut and ran to grab my video camera and ran into my bedroom to record. When I looked out, I could still see them. It scared me so much I couldn't handle the thought of opening the blinds, so I set my camera up and stuck it in the blinds. By this time, it was probably around 4.35 a.m., and I was wide awake in a state of panic in a half-seated position at the edge of the middle of my bed. The bed was against the wall with a large picture window spanning the entire bed, holding the camera in the blinds recording and taking the odd terrifying peak when all of a sudden I'm waking up and it's sunny out. Only then I realized I was sitting or half falling off the end of my bed very awkwardly and the camera was on top of my dresser. I grabbed it immediately to review the footage. The first two playbacks were nothing and the third was only 30 seconds of blackness. I was devastated. Then it was like reality snapped back in and I looked up and it was 7.30 in the morning. For your information, 
I cannot just fall asleep sitting up or not in a bed laying down comfortably, so the odds that I just passed out are highly unfavorable because it has not happened since. I barreled out of the room to tell my husband and I couldn't speak fast enough. I was in a total moment of panic and anxiety. The first thing he asked is why I did not wake him, and to this day, I'm so mad. I didn't, but I can't figure out why. I remember looking right at him, laying there sleeping when I first saw the objects. Then it was like time around me was frozen. I was still in real time. Before that experience, my husband and our, at the time, three-years-old daughter would see strange lights moving erratically always flashing white and red in inconsistent patterns. We live under a flight path and are used to seeing planes and small water planes or helicopters pass over, but these flew much differently and very low, also typically sighted and remained in the same area. After the experience, the sightings got more intense. Walking the dog, I would spot a large light or craft that would seem to stalk me. My husband would often notice lights following him while driving home from work. I'd go out into my driveway to see the stars with my daughter and end up always having a sighting. One night I put out the garbage in a red light about twice the size of a yoga ball hovering above the middle of the road. Very low, I looked directly at it and yelled, Go away! quite a few times and returned inside. After that we would rarely see them and were never stalked again. Though I do fear, and I'm almost certain we are still visited, since over the past year I've had a few very strange, vivid dreams that almost seem like memories of being on board a craft with my husband. Tons of other humans gathered in a large room with multiple entities, some larger ons and robes at the front watching and others walking around. One female entity comes over and takes my husband by the hand and escorted him to a private room to briefly cover it. I am aware there are no answers to these strange events, but I'm more concerned about finding out if there were any related sightings or experiences in my area around that time, and about my story being documented for research, etc. I almost forgot to mention the area of trees that the UFOs were hovering in seemed to be affected. As the top of the trees died, exactly within the top of it, this occurred in Sudbury, Ontario, Canada.